Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God the Father, for, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learn it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, faith, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in this inheritance, uh, in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Rami. Friends, it's great to be together as we begin this series, and it's quite straightforward. It's called Captivated, full stop, I like the full stop, by Christ, full stop. We want to be men and women who are so taken by Christ, his beauty, his love, his mercy, his transforming power, that we give our lives completely to him. And uh, today's theme is transformed by Christ. Let me ask you this question. What do you do when someone tells you that the gospel message that you have heard and put your faith in is not sufficient to save you? And the gospel that you have believed in, they say to you, you won't live a fulfilled and satisfied life. There is more. What do you do when they offer you a new and a novel experience of the Spirit? And they offer you some new knowledge that's going to make all the difference to your life. They say, Christ, it's not quite enough. We have something else alongside Christ. When you have this other teaching, they say, you become spiritually mature, part of the spiritually elite. You won't be like the ordinary ones. What do you do when they impress upon you the need to follow some rules and regulations? Where they tell you you must worship on Saturday, not Sunday. Or you must follow certain food laws, for example then when you follow their rules, you'll really make it as a Christian. Well, friends, the church in Colossae in the first century 
was facing a challenge from false teachers who were saying those types of things. They were either taking away from the gospel, were adding to the gospel and making it no gospel at all. Because when you add to the gospel or you take away from it, you have a different gospel. Now, the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Colossians was in prison, probably under house arrest in Rome. It is the year AD 60 or 61. And he writes to encourage the believers to keep going in the true gospel, in the Christ they have believed in. Be captivated by Christ and don't get led astray by false teachers. And if you want a summary, two summary verses of this whole letter, it's Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Have a look at this. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord at the point of your conversion, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You start it with Jesus, go deep in Jesus, continue in Jesus, and don't listen to all the other nonsense they're trying to convince you of, is Paul's word to the Colossians. Don't chase the new experience. Christians sometimes chase the new experience. Don't chase the new teaching. Don't chase the next big thing. Don't chase the next big conference, the new rules and regulations. But what are you to do? Continue to live in Christ. You know the true Christ. Be captivated by him. Friends, in my own personal experience, uh, I've been told by people, for example, that I needed to observe the Sabbath day, worship on the Saturday, and not the Sunday, because Sunday was the sign of the Antichrist, the sign of the beast. I was urged to speak in strange tongues. I was urged to attend a certain church for salvation, even after I explained that I was a committed Christian, I was born again, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, used all the right language, he said, oh, but you need to come to my church to be saved. Others urged me to follow certain food laws, often Old Testament laws. Or others urged me to be slain in the Holy Spirit. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about. Well, you're so overcome by the Spirit, you fall to the ground and you're, you're emotionless and supposedly that's going to change your life. Some to experience what was called the Toronto Blessing, where the Spirit has come upon people and they were laughing a lot and giggling a lot. Some were growling amongst other things. And that was going to be the difference. Others urged me to deny that Jesus is God's son. Oh, he's just a prophet. He's just a good man. Others told me to reject the physical resurrection of Jesus. They said, oh, the only Christians didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They just believe he rose spiritually. You don't have to have a physical resurrection. Friends, there'll be all types of things they're trying to convince you of to turn you from the true gospel. I've listened, I've tested against the scriptures, I've continued in Christ, as Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says. So the Apostle Paul writes, with that background, he writes to the Colossians, be aware of these dangerous false teachers and continue in the truth. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people, or literally to God's saints in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Notice how he begins. This is, who am I who writes? There are false teachers teaching something else. Says, I'm an apostle of Christ by the will of God. In other words, listen to what I have to say because I've been appointed by Jesus. And uh, you, brothers and sisters, are holy. You are faithful 
Don't listen to the false teachers who say, oh, you're not really faithful, you don't really believe in God, you need to go somewhere else. No, 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 brothers and sisters, you are faithful. And then he begins with a prayer of thanksgiving for them. And uh, it's a thanksgiving for gospel fruit in verses 3 to 8. Important to look at what he gives thanks for and then consider what we might give thanks for right here in this church. He gives thanks to God firstly. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Love that. He says, we think about you, we pray for you, and the first thing we do is give thanks to God. Why does he give thanks to God? Why doesn't he just give thanks for them? Why to God? Because he knows, Paul knows, it is God who transforms us by the Holy Spirit. It is God who transforms us by the Word of God. It is God who makes the difference. So God gets the glory. Amen? When we start and we're serving Christ and we see the good things and we see maybe at the peace tent in Lakemba a Muslim person come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't give praise to the evangelist, we give praise to God who works through them for the salvation of that Muslim person. Thanks to God, thanks to God. And God is working right here at Noe Baptist Church. When people are saved, they're baptised, their lives are changed. Hundreds of you are engaged in ministry in different ways. You're about to start youth ministry, kids ministry, craft groups, playtime groups, SRE teachers. And when I think of all of that and I see you doing that, God, thank you that you at work in this group of people for the glory of your name. Secondly, Paul thanks God for their authentic faith, love and hope. He reassures the Colossians in his prayer that they are true Christians, despite what the false teachers are saying. God has done a genuine work in their lives. How does he know that? Well, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. They trust in Jesus. And of the love you have for all of God's people, true faith leads to loving action. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Gospel has come, faith, love, hope. So significant they've been transformed. Dick Lucas is a Bible commentator and he writes, when Paul combines these three elements of Christian spirituality, as in this context, it is usually to provide a basic and sufficient description of the genuine Christian. These three qualities are the hallmarks and proper evidence of the work of God in the soul of man, we add woman. They have faith in Jesus Christ, trust, dependence, commitment to Christ. That's evidence that you are a Christian. They have love for the saints. True faith, as I said, results in love for others. It is a sign of godliness. Thirdly, they have a hope stored up in heaven that they heard about in the message of the gospel. I love that. When you believe there is something more to life, that Christ is real and true, that by his resurrection you will be resurrected, that hope causes you to have faith and love for others. It's that hope that ensures that we keep an eternal perspective. Friends, why do you do what you do? Why do you youthfully step up to, to reach people for Jesus? Because you know there's a hope to come, there's an eternity to come. And you are going there and you want other people to come with you into eternity. You want others, your friends, your mums, your dads, your brothers and your sisters, you want them too. It's the eternal perspective that gives you hope to keep serving. It is the gospel perspective and the eternal perspective that sends us into schools and into universities to reach students with the gospel. Liz was there talking about playtime. You know, 
This morning she was almost in tears speaking. Mums and dads everywhere with young children. Big turnout at nine o'clock. I think there are probably three or four Christian families, parents only at that group. And a whole bunch of other people who don't know Jesus. And someone, when you see that, it brings you to tears because you know there's the hope of eternity and these people don't know Jesus and the only way they're going to hear about it is if we pray and, it's as if, we go, and if we go to them. And she's almost pleading with God that God will release workers into that mission field. She controlled it tonight. As she spoke to you, not many of you are parents with kids. See, God calls us to risky service, not safety. And it's the hope of eternity that sends us out to make a difference with Jesus. Friends, in a terrible situation in 2015, there were 28 Ethiopian Christians who were shot or beheaded in Libya by members of the group known as ISIS. And the Anglican Archbishop of Ethiopia wrote, thinking about the hope that is to come, he said, we, we don't know the personal details of these men at this stage, but we will find out soon. For now we can note the most important thing to be said about these victims. Their names are known to God and they are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Their denominational affiliation is no longer of any importance. They are among the unnumbered throng from every nation, tribe, people and language gathered before the throne and the Lamb. They're with Christ now. He said, how are we Christians, those of us in Ethiopia, as well as those around the world, how are we to react to this most recent atrocity? Brutally killed. He said, first we must look up to God in thanksgiving for the lives of these brothers who loved not their own lives, but followed Jesus in the way of the cross. Secondly, we must ask for the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to abandon the temptation to hate. Instead, we must follow Jesus who not only suffered on the cross, but also prayed for his executioners to be forgiven. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he said. If, they, if we are turned to hatred, the terrorists have won. Finally, we must continue to reach out to a world desperate for the love of Jesus. He says, make no mistake, the terrorists were, who executed these martyrs of Ethiopia have exhibited the worst of human depravity. They have also revealed their desperate need of a saviour. The Apostle Paul, a great persecutor of the Church of God, was turned to love by his experience of meeting Christ on his way to the Syrian city of Damascus. May God use his church to so act and speak and love that many former or potential persecutors may be turned and have their names written in the book of life, he says. Risky service for Jesus because we live with hope of eternity brothers and sisters, young brothers and sisters, older brothers and sisters. And Paul then thanks God for the effect of the true gospel. He says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. All over the world... This gospel is bearing fruit and growing. 
Paul reminds them, it's not just you guys who believe it. It is true. It is changing lives everywhere, from city to city, from town to town. This gospel is bearing fruit. And we can say today in Nawi, in Southeast Asia, in Mozambique, in China, in Brazil, uh, amongst Muslims, amongst Buddhists, amongst Hindus, the gospel is spreading. Men and women are coming to know Jesus and being transformed. Whether in South America, North America, or Asia, Africa, Middle East, God's gospel is spreading. The church is growing. Christ is building his church. And he says to them, guys, hey, it's spreading. God is doing his work. And God is doing his work right here at Nawi Baptist. We start a new year of ministry. You know, I was at the theater once with uh, my wife and some of her school friends. My wife went to Fort Street High School, where all the brainy selective school kids go, or used to. And, uh, but I would just hang out. They would always catch up. And uh, I never caught up with my friends, so I'd have to go to one of the jails to meet most of my friends from school. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but her friends catch up, and, uh, and then, but then they take their photographs, and then they'll talk Fort Street, Fort Street, Fort Street, and what they did, and I've got no connection. And I always moved away, and there was another lady there. While they were taking photographs, I think, or having a conversation, we started talking. And uh, she asked what I did, and we got talking about Jesus, and how I was a follower of Christ, and I was a pastor in a church. And after a while, she just said this, listen to this said, you are so lucky. No one has ever called me lucky because I told them I was a follower of Jesus, right? She just looked at me and went, wow, you're just so lucky. I said, why would you say that? She said, because you have purpose and focus in life. Your life makes sense. I wish I had that. Don't let anyone ever put you down because you're a follower of Jesus. You are a one lucky, blessed person by the grace of God. Don't let anyone ever put you down. Don't ever believe those lies. They tell you that at school or university, in your family. Don't ever believe it. You are blessed by God to know Jesus. You have meaning and purpose and focus in life like nothing else. So the gospel is bearing fruit in the Colossians as well, just as it has been doing among you. In other words, guys, you've believed the true gospel. Don't listen to the false teachers. The gospel is spreading, the true gospel. And God's done his work in you. And he also says he's done it through uh, Epaphras. Why does he mention Epaphras here? You see, the Apostle Paul who writes this letter had never met the Colossians. Epaphras had done the ministry. As a temptation for the false teachers to divide Epaphras from Paul, maybe Epaphras didn't give us the full message, right? Maybe uh, Paul will give us a different message. Paul says, no, 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 don't listen to that nonsense. It says, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, he's one of us, right? Who is a faithful minister, he tells you the truth, of Christ on our behalf, we're a team. It's not like saying, well, and who also told us of your love in the spirit. Sometimes uh, churches split because someone says, well, I follow that pastor, or I follow this pastor, or I'm with Matt, or I'm with Ange, or I'm with Lachlan, or I'm... Uh, and, or Lachlan wouldn't say that, or Ange says that, or, and people try and uh, divide pastoral teams even in some churches, by the way. And churches then split and multiply. That's how most Baptist churches have multiplied. Talk about church planting, it's called split and divide, right? It's not a godly thing. And that's what they're trying to do here. And it's no Paul, he, Epaphras is one of ours, true, faithful. He works on our behalf, we're one team he has told you the truth. Having now thanked God for God's work in them, he then begins to pray for them. 
It's not enough simply to thank God for what he's done in the past. Now you want to pray about what God will do in the future. For this reason, because of what God has done, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I love that. Three things we'll learn from the setting of this prayer. Number one, Paul prays for Christians he has never met personally. He prays for Christians never met personally. Sometimes we're tempted to pray simply for ourselves, our families, our networks. I think it's an encouragement to pray for missionaries around the world, to pray for other churches you've never met. So, for example, I know Billy Tang, who was one of us, is now at Irwood Baptist Church. I heard some good stories this week. The church is growing, new people are coming. So I thank God for the work, and I can pray that God will do an even greater work at Irwood. Brett's gone to Mennonite two years ago. And I hear stories there that God is doing a good work there. And people are coming and worshipping and growing and reaching out. So as I give thanks to God in my personal prayer for that other church where many people I haven't met, but I'm also praying that God will continue his good work. And that's what we see here. Be willing to pray for those you haven't met. Pick up a prayer guide from the Bible Society or SIM Mission Agency or Baptist Mission Australia and pray for people you've never met, missionaries you've never met. Pray for them that God will do his work. And he prays unceasingly. We've not stopped praying for you. Now, that does not mean every second of his life he's praying for this guy. I mean, he prays for everyone else as well. What he means is, I'm consistent in my prayer for you. And then he links his prayers of thanksgiving to his prayers of petition for this reason. Don Carson puts it this way. The kinds of things for which Paul thanks God are the kinds of things for which Paul asks Thank you, God, for saving that person. God, save some more people. Thank you, God, for ministering and bringing healing there. God, bring some more healing. See what he's doing? And Don Carson wrote this piece which really challenged me about what I pray for. It might challenge you. He says, consider your own practice in prayer. We may, of course, pray when things are going well. But I reckon when things are going well, we forget to pray. Anyone with me? all these things. When there's no tension, there's no illness, there's no tragedy, and there's no persecution, you just, oh, you just go along, you think you do it in your own strength. It says, but is it not true that we're inclined to pray with a great deal more urgency when things are going badly? Yeah, that's true. When there's an illness, financial pressure, moral failure, division in the church, tensions in the family. Those are the times when we are driven to prayer. That's not bad in itself, he says. Of course you ought to pray at those times. Always encouraging to find Christians taking their needs and fears to God. But if we pray only at those times, we are overlooking a great lesson from the Apostle Paul's prayer life. When Paul learns of the work of God in some church, he gives thanks, and then he prays for still more of the same, shaped perhaps by his knowledge of the special needs and propensities of this body of believers. Praise when you've got hurdles, Pray when you have difficulties, but pray when you see God's work. For instance, we see people come to Nahui Baptist and join our church. Give thanks to God and pray for more, will you? When you, uh, this morning we had some new families come to our morning service again, I, I give thanks to God and I'll pray for some more. We started some new home groups, uh, a family's home groups on a Saturday morning and another one on a Friday night. Uh, I give thanks to God, we've been praying for that. Now I'm going to pray for some more because we're going to need more home groups, that's not enough. You see, uh, we raised some gospel workers to go to Morling College, but not enough. <laughs> We've got one there at the moment. We give thanks to God for the one, 
and we pray for more workers who might leave their professions and whatever else they're doing to invest their lives fully in gospel ministry. Give thanks and pray for more. Now, what's the content of his prayer? Prayer asks God to fill believers with the knowledge of his will. He says, you guys, as I pray for you, I want you to know God's will. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He says, I want you to know God's will and God's purpose and God's direction. The Spirit of God and the Word of God is going to give you instruction. You'll be able to stand against false teaching and you'll be able to know God's mind. And then he says he prays this so that the believers might be pleasing to the Lord, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Paul wants the Colossians to put a smile on God's face, to please him, to honour him, to glorify him, to lift him up. We can sing about magnifying the Lord, right? But we want so live in such a way that we please God. Four characteristics of a life pleasing to the Lord. Number one, Christians bear fruit in every good work, he says. So as we begin a year, we are praying that God would use our service of him, our gifts and our talents to bear fruit, change lives, conversions, uh, uh, d- growing disciples, and so on. Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Home group leading, prayer for others, music ministry, Uh, evangelism, hospitality, mercy ministry, caring for the poor, administration, whatever it is. Secondly, Christians grow in the knowledge of God. We bear good fruit and we grow in our knowledge. Now, I left, uh, David, Pastor David and I left Morland College, scary, 30 years ago. We graduated in 1993. That's a long time ago. Some of you were not even thought of, right? I would hope that after 30 years of ministry, I'm growing in my knowledge of God. That I'm, I haven't stagnated. Oh, well, you know, I know enough about Jesus. Don't worry about my Bible. Don't worry about prayer. Just, you know, just cruise. Hopefully, I'm growing my knowledge of God. I'm becoming more like Jesus day after day. And I would hope that God has done some work in my life and brought some level of maturity and godliness and humility and love that you may look at me, not want to become like this face, but at least want to be like me in my heart and in my character for Jesus. Otherwise, I just said a pass, we might as well resign and all go home, right? That's the hope, that we are bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God. And I was saying uh, to the families this morning also, our children look at us. And they expect to see us growing in our commitment to Christ. And sometimes we get old and we get lazy in our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Sometimes we get distracted by the finances and, and the work and everything else. And, and Jesus is no longer number one. Now, I have, a, as you'll be aware, a little granddaughter. She's nine months old. One day she's going to realize, I hope that as she spends time with me, I hope that I live in such a way that she would see that I make much of Jesus and I live in light of eternity and I invest my life in the things that really matter. That's my prayer, isn't it? I want to live in such a way that we'd be growing in our knowledge of God. Friends, in my 25 years here, this is the exciting thing about being in a church for a long time. I've seen four-year-olds 
some of you are those four-year-olds, grow into mature, Christ-centered and godly 29-year-olds. I've seen 22-year-olds, I'm looking over this side now, become godly 47-year-old parents and servants of the gospel. I've seen 50-year-olds age gracefully with a continuing passion to see God glorified in all of life. I've also seen a lot of people walk away from God in that period of time. I've seen the heart uh, and the brokenness in men and women where young people who've grown up here now no longer love Jesus, but also seen God's work in the lives of many of you. And it says Christians are strengthened as to display great endurance and patience, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Friends, when you live for Jesus today, you need endurance and patience, don't you? And Don Carson says, endurance and patience enable the believers to survive with joy when persecuted, to triumph in self-composure and contentment when insulted, to trust God's all-wise and all-gracious providence when one is suffering like Job. When Jesus sees these virtues in us, he is well-pleased. We need to be praying for endurance. And finally, Christians joyfully give thanks to the Father. Verses 12 to 14. What a way to finish for Paul. And giving joyful thanks to the Father... Why? He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his saints or his holy people in the kingdom of light. We have an inheritance in heaven now. He gives thanks to God. Oh, wow. God, how good are you? Now I have an inheritance with all of your people. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We are kept captive by sin, death and darkness and the evil one. Now we're set free and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. We are now part of God's people in whom we have redemption, we are set free, delivered, no longer in prison, but set free to live this life that God has called us to, the forgiveness of sins. Why wouldn't you give thanks to God because of that? Let me conclude. The gospel transforms our lives to produce faith, love and hope. So give thanks for the gospel. Never add to it. Jesus is enough. Trust him. Give thanks for gospel fruit. And when you see it, pray for more and more and more. And pray for the knowledge of God's will so that we will live God-glorifying lives, bearing fruit in every good work. Amen. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you because you are the one who does your great work by your spirit in our lives. We thank you for Jesus, your son, who died for us, dying in our place to rescue us, to redeem us, to set us free from sin, death, and judgment. We have been forgiven. We are children of the living God. We are king, belong in the kingdom of the light. Lord, we have an, an inheritance in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to live in light of that truth. To God be the glory. Amen.